The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. For those of you who are old enough to remember the 60s, an IANS meeting can sometimes seem like the words to that Beatles song, there's nothing you can do that can't be done, nothing you can sing that can't be sung, nothing you can say but you can learn how to play the game, it's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made, no one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. There's nothing you can know that isn't known, nothing you can see that isn't shown. There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. Love is all you need. And the ears who have traveled into the light understand and appreciate the unifying nature of love. But, of course, the wor- this world has a lot of catching up to do in that regard. Our guest today, Charles Chuck Swedrock, the new president of IONS, is a perfect example of how life in this world can run amok. <laughs> <laughs> to look at Chuck's resume, you'd think he'd lived a balanced life thus far in his 40-year career as a systems programmer. Yet, Chuck was raised in 15 different family situations with a mother who suffered from such extreme postpartum depression they had to administer shock therapy, and a father who wound up giving his kids away. It was during a session at the dentist that Chuck heard a near-death story that piqued his curiosity, and it planted a seed that came full flower when, in August of 1985, he learned his half-brother David had killed himself. Chuck's out-of-body understanding of that, coupled with his mother's vision of David and Jesus, became Chuck's personal introduction to the other side, though at most, uh, as most NDEers know, life doesn't necessarily get any easier after our eyes get opened. But it's his experience with the complexities of life that make Chuck uniquely qualified to bring the all-you-need-is-love understanding of the light to the dualistic nature of our lives on Earth. Chuck, uh, congratulations on your new responsibilities at IONS, and welcome to NDE Radio. Well, Lee, I hope I can live up to that introduction, yes. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you can. I know you can. You, you, it, it was about you, and you've done it so far. Uh, hey, Chuck, let's begin with your uh, telling us about your what you experienced about David's death and then how your mom came to tell her part of the story. Okay, well, that actually happened two decades apart. The first part, on the day of David's uh, suicide, I was just in shock. And um, when I heard the phone call, my uh, dad, who was my stepfather, said, I said, hello. He gave me no preparation. He just said, David killed himself. Wow. So with no prep. I just went into instant grief, um, but I put it on hold and drove the four hours back to the Pennsylvania, the family homestead, and just spent the week with, um, you know, going through the details of that. You know, I want one thing I'd like to say about that is I grew up in a very rural area of Pennsylvania, twenty some homes in this crossroads out in the country. 
And right next to that was a white clapboard church, which mothers, you know, was very uh, disciplined about having us be a part of. And so that was my, you know, culture. Yes. That church poured out its hearts to our family. So before I even arrived after that four hour drive, they had shown up, they had cleaned out the bedroom where David had taken a high powered rifle and put the muzzle under his chin. And the only thing left was a bullet hole in the wall, which they covered up with a picture. So that's what churches are for. It's, it's not so much about the doctrine and the, you know, specifics of a belief system it's the community we provide to each other yes the support so i I want to acknowledge that they had taken the body to a separate uh town and it was in the funeral home there so i went through that week and uh it was a closed casket service I got home and I called my confidant at that period in my life which was my stepmother and she says you have to say goodbye to your brother and I realized I hadn't really processed it beyond that initial grief and a lot of feelings of guilt for not having reached out more could I have made a difference so I found some quiet time and I uh, we had a recliner in the bedroom with I feel the fabric of that, that chair every time I tell this it's just I wasn't really a practicing meditator, but I just reclined the chair and closed my eyes and in my mind let the thought goodbye, David. And instantly my consciousness was transported back to Pennsylvania, back to that neighboring town, to the funeral home, into the back of the funeral home where I'd never been physically, to a casket sitting on a gurney. And it's a little graphic. Please bear with me. My consciousness was thrust through that casket into the space on the torso where there should have been a a face and a head, but it was really gruesome. I'm aware of my, I'm bilocating, I'm aware of my body back in that easy chair, just thrashing with the fear, the terror, the almost like a fit of uh, horror from this experience. At the pinnacle a male voice spoke into my mind. Clearly not a thought. It was as though somebody were standing a few feet away from me. I heard this voice and it said, he's not here. And then with that total resolution, I'm back with my body and uh, just processing, you know, it's, it's a sense of bliss where processing that going forward is where I gave up my fear of death and um, really was, yeah, culminating culminating moment in my journey to be where I'm at. Who who do you suppose that voice was? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And being raised Christian, many people would use their culture to define the voice. I don't. It was a voice. It was male. Uh, I mean, I think of Howard Storm's experience in which he met Jesus and angels. And I think he used his culture to define the characters. And I've heard the the kind of joy of my life is to be involved with groups. And I've met so many experiencers. And I see them, how they describe their journeys as being their vocabulary and not really being so definitive 
I think these experiences meets us where we're at. And yes. um, rather than project additional de- definition on it, I like it to be open. Yes. So that everybody feels welcome with their individual characteristic uh, experience. And I want to come back to that later. But for right now, let's finish your question about my mother's experience. Yes. About 20 years later, that little boyhood church was without a pastor. And for some reason, I felt moved to offer to fill in for one Sunday. So I drove down to Pennsylvania to be there. And I chose just to share my journey in a very kind of neutral way, but how I became involved in this topic. And I went ahead and described my experience with, uh, you know, the voice after my brother's death. And my mother, who, I, you know, she was a, it was a, Independent Bible Church, you would call them Baptist by both most definitions. And I think she would have loved to have been a preacher, but you know, that was not the characteristic in the culture at that time. She stood up and she said in the middle of this service how she had awoken one morning in the days after David's death where she felt Jesus and David were at the end of her bed. And David was trying to come to her, and the character she identified as Jesus put his hand on David's shoulder and said, not now, David. Mm. And so that was her solace. It didn't take away the grief, but, I mean, it certainly was a comforting factor. And then she had held that inside for 20-plus years until my willingness to share my experience publicly gave her you know the courage and that's that's what ions is about giving people the opportunity to come to a safe place a neutral environment for sharing personal experiences like this yes chuck you email at uh this line experience of being human connects us all as one and one is capitalized. How do you, how do you, how do we work that out in practice given the cruelties of the world? Oh, you asked the, the tough ones, huh? <laughs> I, um, I take, you know, I did have that Bible kind of upbringing. I got to be a teenager and I said, I had questions and they said, well, you got to take it on faith. And that didn't work for me. I'm a logic oriented individual. I went into computers and that fit my persona. Things have to be logical. And after that 15 different care settings as a very young child, you learn to be always looking at alternative points of view. You have to take care of yourself. So you're always aware of your environment. So it's it's kind of like I would say when if I were on a ship and it was sinking and everybody went to one side, I'd go to the other side just to have, you know, both perspectives. <laughs> and so in answer to your question, it's really a question of without that negativity, we wouldn't have examples of what we want to shun in our own lives and our own choices. So I can use everything as a positive model for helping frame how I want my life to be. And so it's, it's stepping out of judgment 
because this is really a, a uh, well, I sometimes use the reference as a stage. You know, there's a lot more here than what we can acknowledge from our physical senses. <clears throat> and it shapes our journey. So the examples of all the serendipity or synchronicities or things that are just too odd to be coincidences, which are part of shaping our lives, it goes to a higher perspective. And when I can go to that higher perspective, I can push back that need to judge things and more be evaluating how it want, how I want to influence my perspective on things going forward. Uh, I invite people to go to um, YouTube and do a, a search on the five words, a life guided by experiences. And that goes, that's a talk I gave, which talks about a lot more detail about how I came to be where I'm at and my philosophy. Yes. The, um, uh, you mentioned the, the importance of community and the little white clabbered church that, that helped your family so much at that difficult time. And yet churches tend to, um, divide us as much as pull us together by dogma and rules and laws and understand, different understandings of the Bible and so forth. Why do you suppose, um, there's so much division amongst the different denominations? I think the uh, ultimate answer to the question is we are brought here. I've heard experiencer after experiencer say that when they were in their experience, in their conscious state, they had all knowledge. They had every question answered. If they didn't understand how to ask the question, they were given the knowledge to ask the question, and then their answers were there. So we're not here, in my mind, to learn those ultimate metaphysical uh, truths. We're here to experience. And the principal design element for this environment, the thing, the core thing which makes human experience what it is, the design element required is ignorance. I say that because without ignorance, there's no experience of discovery. There you know it all. There you have all the knowledge from whatever frame you want to look at it. Here we have to peel back the layers of the onion, and every every time we turn the corner, there's something new, and it's an aha. If you always knew what was around the corner, if you had that, quote, external perspective of everything, it'd be kind of dull, yeah. right? If yes. we could see <laughs> the future like the spiritual dimension seems to indicate the future is visible. Eh, you know, I think the experience becomes of living here in humanness is so unique because it is what it is, not knowing the answer. So you got all these people in a church. Some are there with the most open and heart. You know, it's what Howard Storm heard in his experience, who he defined as Jesus. He asked the question, what's the one true religion? And, Jesus said, the one that brings you closest to God. Mm. And then he asked the question because he's again, because he thought he was going to hear a denomination or something. 
And Jesus said there are good people in bad religions and bad people in good religions. And I don't think Jesus used that as a judgment of people. I think he was just saying that people who have worked their life experiences into a bad state because they have, you know, doctrinal rigidity versus those who have used that same path to open up their hearts to a spiritual, um, you know, profundness that, you know, I think leads us to a, a loving nature. Mm. There's an, there's an expression, God loves the fool. And, uh, I think that's saying what you're saying about ignorance and being open to, to all the possibilities. Well, let's get into what IONS can do. Um, how you see IONS uh, teaching us how to, uh, to get into that oneness that uh, you refer to in, in your uh, email message. Well, I think. IONS has been around for about 40 years, and we have opened the door to all opportunities to explore this phenomenon, which we've labeled near-death uh, experience or near-death and similar experiences. We know you don't have to be physically near-death to have all the components of a, a near-death experience. Um and I think that study has brought us to a point where we need to ask ourselves, now, what do we believe from all of this material we've studied and we've documented? I myself, from that initial exposure, was open to the experiences, but I wasn't open to things like psych, psychics or mediumship or whatever. I had to take, it took me longer to get, uh, I won't say, comfortable or accepting of that as characteristics that come from these experiences often. In our own journal, we had a study that said over 50% of people who have had a documented NDE have unsolicited mediumship contact. Identities they don't know, individuals coming through asking them to give a message to somebody else that they may or may not know, and their struggle is, well, how do they deal with that? They never mm-hmm. had that before their experience, but now all of a sudden they're opened up in a way that would allow them to be mediums. And so how do they, you know, gain the, the lifestyle choice to make that a part or not a part of their life and to what extent? So that's the adjustment we call integration. How do we help experiencers integrate their after effects? That's another part of what IANS is about. Research, education, and support. So I think we use that 40 years as a foundation. And I would like to say we want to shift the focus to consciousness as the framework for comprehension and explanation of these experiences. I mean, near death emphasizes a physical orientation. I think the ground of all being is consciousness. And from that, we can go forward and do more definition of how we support people with all varieties of experiences and not just what we've labeled with a barrier, you know, a boundary around it called uh, NDE. Everybody, if you're human, you're having the experience of being human. And all of us touch that ground of that framework of consciousness in different ways. 
So I want to emphasize that third element of our mission, you know, research, education, and support. And that's the future that I really am emphasizing, you know, for this organization going forward. Now, you recently heard a prophecy uh, uh, about ions from someone who had an NDE. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, that was profound. Um, there's a rabbi uh, who was connected somehow, and I don't remember exactly how it got to our group in Los Angeles, and started talking for the first time about his life. Uh, he was born dead. He was, his body was strangled by the umbilical cord multiple times and into the hands of a physician who was just totally, uh, dumbstruck by this happening. And he, the physician was led to resuscitate the body and was this was in 1969 the resuscitation or no I'm mean, sorry 1944 he met, uh, this rabbi met the physician in 1969 but anyhow that resuscitation was at a time when CPR technology was not even heard of so the physician felt he was led to do uh, chest compressions and a blow breath into the fetus, the stillborn fetus, wow. until the baby actually started breathing and had a heartbeat. So that was how the rabbi came into the world. And then we know that these uh, physical experiences have consequences. You know, the life and health of that individual going forward, he wound up having a total at this point of six near-death experiences. You know, some would say, well, maybe you didn't get it right. <laughs> so you keep getting a new lesson. But I say that in humor. No, yes. each, one, each one has expounded or expanded his uh, perceptual range. And I hear that often. Um, just as an antidote, we met an experiencer at a conference who had had three near-death experiences, and the first two were kind of traditional, going into light, meeting beings that they recognized and supported. And then the third experience was into the void, total no light. And she has the sense of there being another presence there, and she's wondering, where's the light? And the, the telepathic communication was, oh, that's for amateurs. So it was like, okay, you learn to expand your awareness in, in very unique ways. So in this um, rabbi's six, number six, uh, near-death experience, which happened January of last year, 2018, he feels that amongst other things, it being the most uh, profound that he's had, he was shown IONS as an organization and its expanding role to really take the message around the world to help humanity lose the fear of death. And uh, that could be no more powerful a message that we could hear as uh, 
an influence on where this organization is going to go and have an, uh, an effect on the future. I just add to that we are about in this, um, hopefully this month we'll be launching a platform to do online groups. I mean, for almost 40 years, we've had sharing groups on, you know, where people meet and provide a safe environment to share personal experiences of this kind or to examine them. You don't have to feel you've had the experience to go and just be exposed to it and share your interest in it. So these groups have really been a core of what IONS has delivered over the years. And now we're going to be able to do it online to take that same model of having people get together and share. Hmm. Uh, I'm thinking since we're nearly out of time that perhaps if you can, uh, I'd like to have you back next week to talk about the technology of the Internet and how you see its use uh, to bring people together, to bring NDEers and people that are interested in NDEs together. Um, so why don't we, uh, why don't we hold off on that? Um, perhaps you could, um, did the, did the rabbi tell you any of, any more of the details of what he saw happening to Ions? There's more details than he could share publicly. And I'm going to meet with him, uh, the end of this month. And, uh, there's a lot more to this than we can get in a soundbite. Yes. There's, and some of it goes back to the foundations of IONS. Uh, we as an organization probably wouldn't exist without the work of uh, George Ritchie, who you know was the teacher that shared an experience that triggered Raymond Moody to write his book, you know, collect the cases to write a book. George Ritchie had more to say on what he found in his connection with the other side. And some of that really hasn't come forward. And uh, there's more to this than that. The story's unfolding, and we will be bringing that forth. How do you um, how do you feel that the NDE um, the world of the NDE has uh, changed your own personal look on uh, besides losing the fear of death? How has it changed your perspective on on our lives in this world? For me personally, I am just so honored to be in this position at this time that I can look back and see how my life was choreographed. It was really all those different experiences from the 15 care settings all the way through a couple of uh, excruciating excruciating experiences of uh, breakup of marriages. All those kind of seemingly disconnected things which choreographed a life to bring it here and now, hopefully to be of service to this organization and to our community as a whole. I just feel so humbled and honored to have this opportunity to serve. Well, from my perspective, you are probably a large part of the uh, prophecy the rabbi is talking about because uh, you have a very broad and very wise uh, idea, I think, of how uh, how ions can be of service to the world. And so I'm very excited myself to uh, looking forward to uh, to see what happens, you know, over the next few years, and uh, 
and and I've got to learn more about the technology myself because I'm I'm really uh, backward on, on that score. But I'm I'm sure you you guys can teach me. Well, um, Lee, you do provide a service, and and bless you for it. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. I do I do enjoy the radio, but I, I there is a very uh, important element to um, in seeing the faces of the people that are talking, and so um, I think what you've got in mind. Anyway, we'll get into that next week. Um, uh, thank you, Chuck, for joining us. And is that going to be possible for you on that, to be on next Monday? Uh, as far as I know, I think you shift your clocks or something. In Arizona, we don't do that. So I <laughs> think about being up an hour earlier. <laughs> Chuck, how can uh, people learn more about you and, and your goals for IONS? Well, certainly that YouTube there is there and, uh, we'll be, I'll be writing a little bit as the president. I get to put a opening, uh, message in the vital signs issue that's coming out. So it, it'll be coming out and, uh, certainly people can, uh, contact me through the organization. Terrific. Um, folks, if you'd like to uh, listen to this or any of our past programs again, You'll find them archived at the Past Shows button at nderadio.org. For more information on IANS, um, go to the, their website, iands.org. And uh, for now, this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>